You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary South. We exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission by seeing the lost redeemed, the redeemed matured, and the matured multiplied for the glory of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarysouth.com. Well, as I stated, there's going to be three reoccurring themes that John circles back to in this book. He's going to return to authentic faith, authentic devotion, and authentic living over and over again. Even in just these four first verses we see here as John introduces this letter, he starts it all out with authentic faith. He starts it out with Jesus. It all needs to start with Jesus. And it needs to start with the real Jesus. Because what we do with Jesus sets the whole foundation for what it means to be authentic. And so it starts out here with belief. It starts out with, the, with, with belief in Jesus Christ, that we must believe, we must believe that he is the word of life. Starting in verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. We need to believe that he is the word of life. Right out of the gate here, John gets after it. He doesn't start out as as many of the epistles do, most of the epistles do, with regular salutations, right? Like, grace to you, peace to you. He doesn't start out with greetings or uh, greetings to those who are being addressed. He doesn't even mention his own name. No, in John's humble yet urgent style here, he starts out with what's first and greatest and most urgent. He starts out with Jesus Christ. He starts out with the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. And he starts it out with his own eyewitness, his own testimony of knowing the very Son of God. Right? God himself who came down from eternity past, the God who came down to put on flesh, coming, becoming fully man yet fully God, John says here, that which was from the beginning. When he says the beginning, he's meaning before everything. Before the world began. Before we were created. And before we fell, Jesus, the very word of life, pre-existed before we ever existed. And yet he came down to us. The eternal transcendent has come down to be tangible imminence. As he says here, he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Friends, John starts out this letter to this struggling church in a broken world. And he starts with where it all began. He starts out where authentic faith begins, right, for them and for us. And it begins in the truth and the reality that Jesus is both fully God and both fully man. That God from the very beginning who put on human flesh, that he and the other apostles, John and the other the apostles, heard with their own ears. They, they seen him with their very eyes and they touched him with their very hands. And so friends, immediately, even though John doesn't even name himself as the writer of this letter... We know just by, just by knowing our Bibles, even just a little, that we should be immediately reminded of, of how the fourth gospel begins so much the same way, right? The gospel of John, the first two verses of the gospel of John says, says this, as, as John the apostle writes, he says, in the beginning was the word, 
right? This is the same word of life that he is talking about here in 1 John. And the word was with God, and, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, right? In the beginning. In the beginning, the eternal word of God is God and is with God. And he's also the God who created it all. Right, we've been walking through Genesis together. We, we took a lot of time walking through what creation looked like. Well, Jesus was right there. He was the one through whom it was all created. John goes on to say in, in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 4, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right, the word became flesh. This is a God who they could now hear speaking clearly to them. A God who they could see with their very eyes. A God who they could even touch with their hands. That's the testimony that John has for this struggling church in a broken world. Because that's where it all begins. Because what we do with Jesus means absolutely everything. What we do with Jesus means either eternal death or eternal life. What we do with Jesus sets the whole foundation for what it means to be authentic. You see, at this time, the church that John was writing to was facing some serious problems with false teaching that was going on. There was false teachers in that day. In fact, as we go to study chapter 2, we're going to learn that John's going to talk about antichrists who have come in to make a mess of their church. It even caused some to leave. It caused a split in the church. That yes, even just 50 or so years after Christ ascended to heaven, churches were struggling, people were straying primarily due to a wrong understanding about the nature of Jesus Christ. At this time in, in the world, there was an early form of Gnosticism that was infiltrating and disturbing the church. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. This was an influential philosophy of the day coming from the Greek culture. It was mixed in with pagan mysticism. And with it, there was two major errors that it was teaching. Error number one was, was that there, there needed to be some kind of a special inner knowledge, a secret knowledge that was only given to certain spiritual elite people. You needed to have that inner knowledge before you could really understand who Jesus is, before you could really be saved. That was the first error. And the second error was that they believed that when it came to humanity, when it came to the world... The spiritual part was good, but the natural part was evil, right? Spiritual good, but the physical was fallen. The physical was, ev was evil, which then altered how they viewed Jesus Christ, this God-man. It, it led them to deny the deity of Jesus Christ or the humanity of Jesus Christ. They were teaching that God could not be fully God, or Jesus could not be fully God, while also being fully man. And so this teaching was distorting and contorting the, the true apostolic teaching of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that God truly came down, that he was born of a virgin, that he truly became a man, putting on human flesh. In fact, at that time, there was a contemporary of John's named Serinthus. Now, Serinthus in church history did not believe that Jesus was fully human. 
but that it was at his baptism that he became the Christ. He became full of the Spirit, but that he only remained the Christ for those three years of earthly ministry until he died on that cross and the Spirit left him, leaving him just to die as a mere mortal man just like you and me. So this is the kind of teaching going on. They were denying either the deity of Jesus Christ or the humanity of Jesus Christ. And so it was a troubling time for this church, and it was causing great distress, and churches were uh, splitting over it. They couldn't square the fact that Jesus was both fully God and fully human, and it was tearing them apart. In fact, as we study the rest of this book, in chapter 2, verse 22, John says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's, he's hitting the, 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 the problem square on. He also says in 2 John 7, For many deceivers have gone into or out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So there's both those who are denying the deity of Christ and those who are denying the humanity of Christ. Denial on both sides of the equation. To which John here is going to reply very, very closely in this letter. He's going, to, he's going to address this very abruptly and very boldly, like right out of the gate. We see it already. He's already talking about Jesus, who Jesus is. He's basically saying to those who are in error, you are wrong. I was there. We were there. We, the apostles, seen him. We heard him with our ears. We saw him with our eyes. We touched him with our hands. We were there for those three years by his side. Jesus Christ is real. He is the one from the very beginning. He is the eternal God. That God, and he's also that man, the word of life. So friends, again, it all begins and ends with what you do with Jesus. True authenticity can only begin with what you do with Jesus. It's not one or the other. He's not just a mere man, nor is he just eternal God. He is both all at once. And truly believing in this biblical reality means all the difference between what it means to be either authentic or fraudulent. And friends, where we land on this has proved itself over the years. History proves that this has been a major hurdle, especially in the coming years of the church in the third and fourth centuries as this false teaching pervaded and saturated the church to, to the point that councils had to be made, creeds had to be established, clear articulation of who Jesus was, both in his humanity and deity. You can think about the Nicene Creed that, that goes as far back as 325 AD. And even as it was also worked on in Constantinople in 381. The creed states this about Jesus, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. So we see there very carefully articulating that, that Jesus is both God, fully God, and fully man. And, and any departure from that results in a false understanding of the gospel. So when you think about your Mormon friends or family or neighbors who like to say that they are the church of Jesus Christ, 
yet they don't believe that Jesus is God. Or how about the Jehovah's Witnesses who claim to be the true witnesses of Yahweh? Yet they don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe he's a created angel. Or even the Muslims that believe that Jesus was a, a true and respected prophet, but they don't believe he's God. They all go wrong to their error and damnable shame with what they do with Jesus Christ. They don't believe in his eternal deity. They don't believe in what's revealed by the scriptures alone, that, that Christ came down and put on the flesh to live for us and to die for us and to rise from the grave for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. But John here stands to say to that church and to say to all of us that you have to believe in this. This is the eternal gospel. This is the truth that is foundational to authentic faith. Interesting to note as well, friends, that these three examples of, of deity deniers, if you know anything about what they believe, you know that their error comes not through the study of the scriptures alone, but by what? Their error comes through extra-biblical revelation. The Mormons with their book of Mormon, Joseph Smith somehow hearing from some angel, receiving some kind of plates, the Jehovah's Witnesses with their faulty translation of the Bible, the Muslims with the Quran. All of these false religions all get Jesus wrong because they get the word of God wrong. They've gone outside of the bounds of what is plainly and sufficiently revealed in God's word alone. They are like Gnostics of the day. They're going beyond scripture that they're going to receive some kind of a special knowledge outside of God's holy word. Now, as John says that they heard and they saw and they touched Jesus, he says that it was concerning the word of life. Friends, as John calls Jesus the word of life here, Jesus is the ultimate message of life. That as in the beginning was the word from his gospel, as verse 3 and 4 goes on, it says all things, in, in, in John's gospel, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Friends, Jesus' title here as, as being the word of life is that he is the ultimate message, the word of life, the true message that brings life. And that's exactly what John is declaring here in the very first verses of this letter. That the message that he and the apostles share, the word of life message, is the message that brings us life. Friends, life only comes through actually believing in the message of Jesus Christ. That as Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the life. Friends, in our world today, everyone wants to be accepted for who they are, for who they think they are, or for who they feel they are. And the world embraces this language of being your real authentic self. Right? No matter how raw it is, no matter how unnatural it is, no matter how wrong it is, 
the secret of true living in the eyes of the world is just to be your real self. But according to God's word, true life is found only in one person. It's not found in us just wanting to live based on our feelings and and our thoughts and our ideas. It's not about us giving ourselves to our natural desires or our confused ideologies or our feelings. No, the answer to true life is found in the word of life. It's found in believing the very person and the message of Jesus Christ. That before him, friends, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But in him there is life. Friends, this book you hold in your hands here holds the very message of Christ. It is the words of life. The message that the apostles were given by God and wrote down to us is a message that they say here that they heard, they saw, and they touched. And it is living and it is powerful. It's like those shock paddles in the emergency room, right? That upon believing and receiving the message of Jesus, you come from death to life. It shocks you to life. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But friends, the question is, is do you believe it? Like, do you really believe it? Do you truly believe that Jesus is God? Like, not just a mental assent kind of a belief. Not just a head knowledge kind of a belief but rather like a parachute kind of a belief. That if you truly believe that parachute would save you, you put that thing on. Just think of yourself maybe careening under the water with your car and you're trapped in your car and somebody comes to you with an oxygen mask. You're not just going to believe that that oxygen mask can save you. You're going to put that thing on. You're going to put everything into it. You're not going to hesitate. That's what believe means. We need to believe that he is the word of life because, friends, believing in the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ is where life begins. It's where everything begins. That's why in our homes, we need to be teaching our kids the truth. In light of a world that is hurtling lies after lies at them, we need to teach them about the truth, that there is the word of life, and life comes through him. As many false religions and and cults are getting it all wrong. They're getting it wrong to their eternal damnation. That's why we need to proclaim the truth of life to this world. Because as Jesus said, it is the truth that is going to set you free. Friends, we need the truth of Jesus Christ. And we need to be people who press that truth into the world. And so we need to believe. It, It all comes down to believing. He is the word of life. Now, as John states that Christ is the word of life, next he also proclaims that he is the eternal life. So not only do we need to believe, but we also need to become. Verse 2, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He says that the life was made manifest, meaning that what was veiled in eternity past and even veiled somewhat in the Old Testament was now revealed in Jesus Christ. 
And so as the word of life is now revealed, the message of eternal life must be testified to and proclaimed in the world. This is the eternal life person and message that was straight from the Father. It says, he was made manifest to us. He was with the Father and is now manifest to us. That even before the beginning of time, eternal life was destined to come down. Eternal life was promised to come in the flesh. And eternal life was given not only to be witnessed to for three years of Christ's ministry, but for every day since then. Right? As we even see here being uh, proclaimed through by the apostles. It's being passed down through the scriptures. And it's been delivered to you as well. Friends, this is what the message of Christ does. That as the apostles witness Christ, we get to witness Christ through them. Right? Through what they testified and proclaimed to us. When you think about them saying here that, that we heard Jesus. We heard of him. We heard Jesus' very voice. We heard him teaching. We heard him teaching parables, friends. As we get the testimony of what they've done, we get to listen to Jesus. It's the same with, with, with seeing him, right? As they saw Jesus raise the dead and heal the sick and perform all those miracles, as they see him even nailed to the cross and, and risen from the grave, we get to see all of this about Jesus because it's contained in the very word of God. It goes down to touching him as well. We touch Jesus through the words of scripture, right? Even after Christ died and was it was raised from the grave. Remember Thomas. Remember he was doubting, right? In John's gospel, chapter 20, verse 25, Thomas says this, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. As Jesus so patiently and lovingly responds to Thomas, he says in verse 27 of John chapter 20, he he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Friends, as they heard and saw and touched, it's by hearing their testimony and believing the gospel that they proclaim that we not only have life, but we have eternal life. That we become believers and partakers of eternal life. That as John testifies to truly knowing Jesus and, and, and himself finding eternal life in him, that we would also know Jesus and that we would find eternal life in him. I mean, just as Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 3, he said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Friends, authentic followers of Christ know Christ. They truly know Jesus. We don't just hold on to the facts about him. We're not just all about the trivia about him. No authentic followers become what they believe. Right, this is what it means to have eternal life. You become what you believe. Friends, you have to know this. Eternal life, eternal life isn't just that life to come. Now, if you are saved by Jesus Christ, eternal life begins right now. 
In fact, that's what much of this book is going to be talking about. It's going to be talking about who we are becoming in Jesus Christ and examining where we are in that process. It's also going to examine whether or not we're even in the process. I mean, just, just listen to a few of these verses from 1 John. 1 John 1, 6-7. If we say we have fellowship with him, While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Even in chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. And then all the way to to chapter 5 again with the main verse of the theme of what this whole book is about is John, he says in John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's talking about assurance, but he's also talking about that authentic self. What is being revealed from our life? So friends, eternal life is not just the security that you have after you die. No, it's the life you get to start living right now in Jesus. Friends, you've probably heard me say before that salvation is not to be understood as the bookends. Right? As bookends with nothing in between. we got salvation over here when I enter the kingdom, and then I've got eternity over here when I die. No, the eternal life is right now. It's the time between the bookends and beyond the bookends as God writes the chapters of your life with him, in him, in this season of eternal bookends. And so friends, we're going to have to buckle up here as we approach this book together. John does not pull any punches. He's pretty hard-hitting. If you've read through this book before, he just says it like it is. It's black and white. Remember, as he heard and saw and touched Jesus, he was an apostle. That means that he has apostolic authority. That means that he can be be trusted, but he also does not apologize for the truth. And friends, we need this. Especially, I would say, as we live in in an apologetic age where everyone's afraid to offend the next person, where we have to have our safe spaces, where we have to have our special sensitivities and needs met and protected. No, as John loves this church, this church that he's writing to, he's also going to hit where it hurts sometimes. Friends, I don't know about you, but for me, it's It's often not until the word of God punches me squarely in the heart that I am finally awakened to my folly and my sin. Or as God puts it in Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Friends, some of the greatest work that the Lord has done in my heart has just come through raw truth hammered straight at my heart. Now to be fair, John is not just wielding the hammer of the word of God haphazardly. It's been a long time since him and his brother James 
or the sons of thunder, as they were called. Remember in the story, they were, they were trying to get Jesus to call fire to rain down from heaven on a town just because they rejected them. No, it's been a long time since then. No, if you know John well enough, you know that John is the apostle of love. In fact, in this small letter alone, he uses the, the word love 25 times. And so as we prepare to receive the hard-hitting word of God, as we prepare to look into the, the mirror of authenticity, remember, it's also going to be wrapped in love. It's going to be wrapped in the beauty and the glory of the gospel. And so wherever you are today in your faith, we just pray that in the months to come, as we are working through this book, that we would be willing recipients of the power of the word of God in the hands of the spirit of God in our hearts. We need to be people who are willing to welcome the hard work of the Holy Spirit within, even if it's hard. Friends, welcome it. Right? As, it's, as it's just hard living in this world, we all need to desperately grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ through the sovereign hand of the Lord as he exposes our sin. And then he catches us in the love of Christ as well. So welcome it. Welcome it. Similar to what Spurgeon said, he said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. Wherever and where, whenever we can be reminded of our desperate need of the glory of Jesus Christ, we need to hear it. That's a good day, friends. So authenticity in our faith is going to be a big part. We see that being proclaimed here. Jesus is being proclaimed as uh, the word of life and eternal life. Again, that life begins now. We need to be, become what we believe. Don't wait for the life to come. No authentic life begins now. And so, number one, we need to believe. Number two, we need to become. That as Jesus is the word of life and the eternal life, that it is his life that is also the joy-completing life. And so he's going to call us also to belong. He is the joy-completing life, verses 3 to 4. Again, John says here, he says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Friends, the eternal life that the word of life produces is never meant to be an isolated life. No, the eternal life that begins right now is a life of fellowship. It's a life of koinonia. It's, it's a deep, abiding, sharing, fellowship, partnership that begins, as John says here, in the eternal fellowship that we have with God himself. Fellowship rooted in the fellowship that God even has within himself. We see here even hints of the, the Trinity going on. It says that there in, uh, indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Friends, it's a vertical fellowship with God that then overflows to a horizontal fellowship with one another. This is what John so desperately wants for this church. 
that even though in their history there was a breaking of fellowship after some people fell away after a false gospel, he's reminding them that the, the gospel that he's so urgently testifying and proclaiming is not only about their own belief, it's not only about their own becoming, but it's also about their belonging. He says, so that, so that you too may have fellowship with us as we indeed have fellowship with God. Friends, if you remember the word fellowship, fellowship isn't just the time we spend after church, drinking coffee, shooting the breeze, no fellowship. True koinonia fellowship is partnership. It's sharing. It's communion with one another. Just as the first church did in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, which as you go on to read, this is real living life with one another. They were truly caring for one another. They were sharing life together. They were partnering together for the Lord's work and for each other's needs. This is that whole one another kind of a life that we are called to. In fact, as you look at the New Testament, there's over 59 commands to one another each other. Friends, you can't one another alone. No, the beauty and the reality of the authentic self is that we are given to the fellowship of the saints, practicing to one another's. As God has fellowship within himself, that fellowship pours out to us, we fellowship with one another. That's the authentic Christian life. You know, you don't have to be around church long to know that wherever there are people, there can also be challenges, right? That we can, all, we can often have different opinions and approaches and convictions and preferences. Sometimes we don't always get along. For example, maybe during the pandemic you had a difference of opinion with someone over how the government handled it all. Maybe in this political season, you and a friend here maybe butted heads over some kind of ideology or, or, uh, or flavor of government. Maybe you don't agree with somebody here over some secondary or tertiary theological issue, and instead of working through it, you choose to walk away from each other. As John is speaking to a church that just walked through a major split, he's now calling them to unity. He's calling them to fellowship, not just that in and out kind of a Christian life, right, just coming in, saying hi, not being real. No, he's calling them to rich, deep, abiding community life that is available and beautiful because of the fellowship that we have with God. Friends, what we have here in God is freely available to each other, and it is the sweetest and deepest community that you can have, and that is all part of the eternal life. Because the unifying blood of Jesus is so much stronger than any kind of blood relations that we can have here. That even where there is conflict, in Christ there is forgiveness. Forgiveness from him and forgiveness that we can have for one another. The love that we have from God is so much greater and deeper than we could have in the world, but yet he pours that out through us and into fellowship and we can love one another. And those who know that kind of fellowship know that, that that's, that's the place that's ripe for growth in Christ. That's ripe for becoming transformed more and more into his likeness. Friends, 
the church is not a one-way thing. Now, you have to lean into it. You have to give yourself to it. No, the proclamation of what John heard, saw, and touched wasn't meant to just be consumed in isolation. It was given, as he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Now, some of you have been around our church for a while and, and you have connected deeply into the body. You've discovered the sweetness of what it is. Some of you have maybe been, been around for a while or maybe you're new and and you, you haven't discovered that yet. Our call upon you would just be to press in. Press into the body. It's not just us saying that. John does. The Holy Spirit does. That's what he wants for you. That's what authentic is. And so if that is you, please look into the pathways that we have set forth in connecting deeper into our body. Press into the body life. Press into small groups. Press into the regroups. Press into our prayer gatherings and our ministries and serving. Don't hold yourself back. No, believe, become, and belong. And it's then, as John says here at the end, that the reason he's writing these things here is that our joy may be complete. Friends, it is the gospel lived out in community under the word of life for the eternal life that is the joy-completing life. Friends, it's joy that is beyond just mere happiness and fleeting fancies. It is everlasting joy that the Psalms say will be upon our heads. The same joy that Jesus said to his disciples is so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Not a definition of joy that any dictionary could try and articulate, but joy found in Christ that only the Bible can reveal. The joy of true satisfaction that can only come through Jesus Christ. The joy that all of my greatest desires can be met in one, in Jesus. The one whom the apostles say they heard, they saw, and they touched. Joy that can take me through any trial. Joy that, that holds the center together through the blood of Jesus Christ. Joy in knowing the eternal life. And greater yet, joy in knowing, authentically knowing God himself. Friends, when John talks about this kind of joy being completed, that our joy may be complete, he is talking about a finishing joy, a growing joy, a completing, full joy. This is a quality that cannot be experienced in isolation. No, in fact, John speaks of this community as resulting in that joy. And he says that in all three of these letters, in fact, in 1 John 1, 4, 2 John 12, 3 John 4 as well. He's, he's talking about the same thing. Even in his gospel, again, he's speaking about the joy of the relationship that he has in God with the disciples in John 15, 11, 16, 24, 17, 13. Just write those down and we'll look at them. In all of those examples, he speaks about joy being made to the full, complete, in not only God, but also in those he can be in fellowship, those who he is saving. And so as we think about John writing to this struggling church, a church that walked through hard stuff, a church with people in conflict, people in doctrinal error, 
as they are fractured, as they are hurting, John gives them hope. John gives them hope that there is joy in the fellowship of Jesus Christ together and that it is a completing, filling, fulling joy. And that in their unity, in who they are in him, there is fullness of joy. And so as we're walking through the book of 1 John, talking about what it means to be authentic, joy can be a struggle, right? You're struggling to find joy. And I get it. In the gospel, there is joy. That's the only place you're going to find full joy. And in the beauty of the fellowship, as we are gathered together in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's fullness of joy. And so we're going to ask ourselves, are we growing in this? Are we even marked by joy? It is a completing joy as we gather in Christ, as we lift up his name. And so as an introduction to this, my prayer is that as, as we walk through this, we're going to grow together and that this joy is going to be even further completed as we study this together in the days ahead. So friends, the foundation for what it truly means to be Authentic begins right here, right? It begins with Christ. It begins with who he is. It comes through believing, becoming, and belonging. That he is the word of life, that he is the eternal life, and that he is the joy-completing life. And so I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do in the days ahead as we look at authentic faith, authentic devotion, authentic living. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word here this morning. We're so thankful for the words of John writing to this church he loves so well, this church he knows that is struggling, this church that is also even tempted to fracture and to lose faith. Father, as we are also in this broken world right now, as we look at what's happening out there, and we even hear of, of other churches struggling, we know that it's not easy to be in the body of Christ, that in fact the Christian life is hard, and then as you place people together within your body, there can be challenges but we do pray that we will hold fast to the, the rock-solid truth of Jesus Christ alone. That we would understand him as revealed through the scriptures alone. That we would believe, like truly believe. And that in that, as we take in your word and you do your work by your spirit, that we would become more and more like you. That devotion would grow. Love would grow for you. And then also love for each other as we belong to the body. Father, this is your plan for us. We pray that we, we would just lean into it, that the eternal life begins right now, and that you, by your spirit, would do some deep conviction in our hearts, but also encourage us all the more to be gathering together, to be sitting under your word together, to be studying the word together, to be loving each other, to be growing together, all of the one another's that you have for us, Lord. We anticipate for you to do a great work in our hearts as we study your word through the book of 1 John. We pray that you would produce authenticity within us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.